Choosing to do something requires action. Actions mean consequences. And consequences? I mean, even the word itself sounds scary. Doing nothing feels safer, simpler, easier even. The truth is there will always be a reason not to do something. But is that better? Your path is unique to you. And choosing to take action is always the first step. Doing what you were created for is how you find your purpose. It can bring community, direction, freedom. Take that next step. Do what you were made for. It may not be easy. It's just better. Well, hey, everybody, how you doing? It's great to have all of you with us at all of our camps. Just turn to your neighbor and say this. This won't take long. This won't take long. I had a good word for you today, whether you're uh, stay-at-home mom, whether you're a college student, whether you're a retiree, uh, or whether you're in the prime of your uh, family's years, let me tell you, I've got something for you today that I really believe can help you. I need you to stay with me for about the next 10 minutes. So everybody say, okay. okay. 10 minutes. So look around you. Look around wherever you're sitting, whatever room you find, look around you. If we are the national average, if we just reflect the national average, one out of every three of you are dissatisfied with your life. Now think about that. In America, studies show us that in America, one-third of Americans, when asked, express some level of dissatisfaction with their life. Folks, look at me. That's a hundred million people. A hundred million people in this nation feel one of two things. Either that their life can't be different. They've been dealt a card and this is just, it is what it is. Or they can't make a difference in their little corner of the world. And they're dissatisfied with it. And yet the good news of the gospel of Jesus is that you, there is a God at work that will take you where you are and move you beyond what you could ever ask or imagine that your life could be. But you've got to understand how God is trying to change you. God is in the transformation business. God is, God is much more concerned about what's happening here than what's happening here. Because if he can transform what's happening here, what's happening there 
will change as well. Come on, somebody. You hear what I'm saying? Don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world. Don't be one in three, but be transformed by changing the way you think, the way you see. Now, this is a part of modern self-improvement teaching, and I, I don't say that with any level of condemnation or condescension these these principles aren't new these are principles that are that we find in the bible themselves this concept of change and transformation and how it happens one of the things that psychologists sociologists would tell you is that your ability to change just at a fleshly level is directly tied to the power of your motivation to change you with me? That the higher the level of motivation for your, uh, your willingness to change is a determining factor in whether real change will occur. Let's talk about just a couple of common examples of this. Let's talk about, anybody ever said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop a few pounds? Anybody? Anybody, anybody not telling the truth right now? I need to drop a few pounds, or I've got a couple of friends saying I need to gain a few pounds, you know, whatever it is. But I, I, there needs to be some change in my life. Listen, it's okay to say I need to drop a few pounds because it's almost swimsuit season, and I want to be able to fit in my swimsuit, or I don't want to go buy new pants. Anybody got fat pants and skinny pants? Anybody else? Right? I don't want to go back to the fat section. It's just kind of demoralized. That's not a bad motivation. Look, look at me though, but when the doctor says you've got this percentage of blockage to one of your main arteries to your heart, and if you want to keep living, you're going to have to change what you eat and how much you exercise. The motivation rises, doesn't it? Yes, I never got serious about my health until I had a combination of two things. My wife, Micah, her mother died, and I watched my son in agony as we watched her die, this agonizing death, and I had my first grandchild. And I decided that I wanted to make some drastic changes so that I could be a part of my grandkids' Life and if I went out, I was going to go out in tip top shape. He take me out, but I'm going out fighting, man. And everything in my world changed. Why? Because the motivation changed. And one of the one of the things that culture says to us is, "Well, you need to change for you." I mean, a message, a clear message that you get in culture is it's all about you, right? You deserve this. It ought to be you. Ought not care about what anybody else thinks. It ought to be about you. That's, that, like, it really looks great on Instagram. It's just not biblical. The Bible, whether you like it or not, the, the Bible clearly teaches that we don't live in a vacuum. And then when our motivation is about us, how it makes us feel, how, what it does for us, there's a limiting factor to that motivation. But when your motivation becomes, I want to change so that I can 
bring change into somebody else's life. Now you're kicking with gas. It's why Paul says in Ephesians that we are God's workmanship. I love the message version. It says we're his masterpiece, which God created in advance. Why? For us to do good works. That you were created for other people. That the change in, your, in my life physically, using that silly little analogy, it's, it, it's not only a better motivation, it's a biblical motivation to say, I want to be the very, in the very best health I can be in for somebody else. I want to be the very best version of me. Why? Because I'm a difference maker. Because when I bring my best, best self into my neighborhood, my family, my work environment, the fact of the matter is, because God has given me the gift of influence, when the water rises in my boat, the water rises in everybody's boat. And so psychologists, sociologists, they're right. It's biblical that motivation is key to lasting change. And until we understand that we were created by God and for God for a divine purpose that is not all about us, we're never going to reach our full potential in the kingdom and we'll never experience transformation to the level that God intends for each one of us. Why? Because we're God's masterpiece. We were created, God created us. He had us in mind from the beginning of time that he would place us where he placed us in this moment why? To do good work so that things around me, whatever your calling, whatever your vocation, whatever your state, whatever you, wherever you find yourself in life, in your middle school or in your retirement home, as a stay-at-home parent or as one who occupies the corner office, wherever you find yourself, God created you on purpose and your purpose is about somebody else. And when I begin to ask the Lord to work in my life, to change things in my life so that I might be who God fully created me to be, now I'm in a position to see the Holy Spirit do something that my self-will could never do. We have to understand motivation. Secondly, though, and I want you to write this word down. This is a powerful word. The word is kazen. Everybody say kazen. Come on, say it again. Kaizen. Can you shout it at me? Kaizen. Kaizen. Kaizen is a Japanese word. It was a word that was originally used in the Zap, Zap, uh, Japanese language to describe a concept of a way that the Japanese approached business. I know some of you, I'll date myself a little bit when from my generation, being, say, uh, being said that something was made in Japan when I was a kid, it meant something very different than it means today. When I was a kid, being made in Japan meant it was cheap. It wasn't American-made. Now, in today's world, when it's made in Japan, the feeling is this has been perfected. This, there's been some intentionality to it. And the word kaizen means this, incremental or continuous improvement. Okay, stay with me here. I'm about to unlock something for many of you. This is really hard for me, and I know it's really hard for you, that in a world, in a culture, in, to, in, in the world in which I live, 
which glorifies instant gratification, instant results. This concept of Kaizen says that in the small incremental changes that you make, this is where the big results come. Let me put it to you this way. It's, why New Year, it's one of the reasons New Year's resolutions don't work for any of us. Why? Because we wake up, you know, we write down our list and we ask God to help us and we wake up on January 1 and, you know, we're going on a 40-day fast while we read the Bible backwards, you know, three hours. A day. I mean, there's all of these things we're going to do and there's all of these big changes we're going to make and what happens by January 20th. The treadmill has become a, you know, a closed, an additional clothes rack for us and we're back to reading Things that aren't encouraging us. Why? Because we're trying to change it all at once. And the principle of Kaizen is the principle of God does his best work incrementally in your life. It's the difference between saying, you know what? I'm going to become a runner. I'm gonna, I, I, I mean, I watch those guys. I, I, you know, I've been to the shoe store. I want some of those cool shoes and I'm going to become a runner, so I'm going to go out and I'm going to start running three miles a day. And you haven't run in 20 years, and you wonder why three days later you wake up with both your hamstrings tied up in a knot. And you, you, you want, and saying, I want to get physically fit, and so tomorrow I'm going to take the flight of stairs instead of the escalator. This is where the power of change comes. It's in incremental changes. There's a word for it. There's a biblical word for this concept of kaizen. You know what it is? Two words. Write it down. Progressive sanctification. I mean, it's a theological term we don't use a lot because it's, it's, it's just a churchy word that basically means that God is in the business of changing us one decision, one step at a time. We focus on perfection God focuses on progress. Do you know why the recovery movement in America, really around the world, while there has been so many success stories out of the recovery movement with people who have battled addictions of all kinds? Oh, there's lots of reasons, but the core reason is at the core foundational principle of recovery is one day at a time. It's incremental changes where you see the major changes in your life come to bear. And what we desire is this, this bolt of lightning from heaven. And all of a sudden, we, we become saints and our lives are radically different, and God works in the small daily decisions. The Kazan mentality that says it's going to be progressive improvement, incremental improvement, where God's greatest work comes to bear. Everybody with me? I think this is so important because I believe this is where the power of the local church merges in a way that is unique to the local church to help us really experience the change and, and satisfaction that we're looking for. 
and that th- this is God's call on our lives positions us to not be one of the three that are dissatisfied with their lives. Well, what do you mean by that, Toby? Well, I'm glad you asked. I think the local church is one of the most, is, is the unique vehicle where your motivation for transformation and your ability to take it one step at a time come together. See, one of the great lies that you have been sold is that you have to, like, your challenges, your temptations, your defeats, that you have to be looking back with a tidy bow on it, and it's all pretty, and this is all in my past before you can really make a difference in somebody else's life, before you can become God's masterpiece who is living to do good works. When the Bible clearly teaches that your your mistakes, your challenges, they don't disqualify you. They literally position you to make an impact in the lives of other people. As we learned at 10K Tuesday this week is Michael Jr., who was hilarious and poignant. I mean, it was, it was awesome. I don't know what the best part was with, you know, all these white people laughing, wondering if they can laugh at a black guy telling a black joke, or when he began to talk about how your greatest setbacks become your greatest setups. And here at Cross Timbers, we believe that we're all a work in progress. We're not in a state of being. We are in the process of becoming, and how we become who God's called us to be is in the middle of our pain, in the middle of our doubts in the middle of our questions we choose to not make it about us but about somebody else and then we believe that as we choose to make it about somebody else and not about us that a byproduct of that is God begins to do something in our heart he begins to change us transform us maybe the change you've been looking for hasn't come because you haven't taken the incremental step Toward being a blessing to somebody else. Maybe the change that you've been looking for hasn't come because you're waiting for the big boom from heaven and God is waiting for you to take one step toward Him. That's what this weekend at Cross Timbers is all about. It's for all of us. If you're breathing, this weekend is for you. It's your opportunity to take your next step. That's what that little menu card you were given coming in, it's all about. It's about, you know, we're here, we're all about following Jesus, finding freedom, finding someone to know and something to do. That, that's what we do. That's who we are. And I don't know in which area of your life your next step is, but I know this. If you're breathing, there's another step for you. I believe in the power of one. One of my favorite quotes of all time comes, oh, there's debate about who said it. But it says this, it says, I am only, I am only one, but I am one. I can't do everything, but I can do something. And by the grace of God, I will not allow my inability to do everything to keep me from doing my one thing. Will you do your one thing? Would you this weekend... 
Would you consider the possibility that you might look back a year from now and say, you know, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. And it all started with that one step in that one service. In a moment, your campus leader is going to come and tell you just practical ways you can take your next step. I just want to pray that you might begin to believe again that change for you is possible. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name that you take me right where I am, not where I ought to be, because this side of heaven, I will never be where I ought to be. (laughs) And I thank you, Lord, for the truth of the wisest man outside of Jesus to ever walk on this planet, Solomon, who said if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. It's just taking one step. So, Lord, may we begin to believe again that transformation is possible for every one of us. May we step outside of ourselves in the lives of others to see change happen in each one of us. We thank you for it, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.